Hi, this is Jeff from Alberta, Canada, and you are listening to Rico and the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast. The Time Tunnel. Well, hello, and thanks, Jeff, from uh, the forums, Jedi Jeff, for that great intro to the show. This is Rico, and this is Trex in Sci-Fi, a special midweek show for April the 18th, 2007. This will be podcast number 116. As promised over the weekend, I'm going to look at a animated Star Trek episode this week. More trouble, more tribbles. More, I'm sorry, more tribbles, more troubles. It's easy to get that confused, excuse me. And then uh, I've got a couple uh, other little tidbits to toss in, including a uh, book review of a very early Star Trek novel by a guest reviewer. So stand by, here we go. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. This is Rico, and like I said, this is a special midweek, uh, kind of a bonus episode of Trex in Sci-Fi. I try to show the throw uh, throw this type of show in once in a while when I get a little extra time. Uh, don't really have a lot of extra time right now this week, but I, I said I was going to do it over the weekend on the podcast, so here I am. And it's always good to kind of kick back and talk to everyone out there in the Trex in Sci-Fi listening audience. If you're new to the show, welcome, and for everyone who's listened for a while, uh, welcome back. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on uh, preamble and information and things like that uh, for the midweek show. This is going to be a little shorter than normal. The main uh, topic, I'm going to go through a Star Trek episode, uh, an animated series episode, uh, more tribbles, more troubles, like I said at the beginning. Uh, But I do want to play a book review, but before we get to that... Uh, I did have one bit of an announcement that I read online just before I started the podcast. I always try to scan the uh, Star Trek headlines and sci-fi news and things. And it looks like J.J. Abrams, who's working on the next Star Trek movie, has now finally officially said, sort of in a cryptic kind of way, that uh, James T. Kirk will be a character in his Star Trek movie. You know, they... This, I don't know why they don't really settle this and kind of release uh, information basically about what the movie's going to sort of feature and the time frame and the characters. I'm not sure what the big secret is about. I mean, it's been out for a, quite a long time. That this is going to feature somehow a uh, younger Kirk, Spock, McCoy situation. I mean, I suppose that could be totally uh, misleading information, but now J.J.'s came come forward and said, 
that the movie will feature Captain Kirk and uh, whether William Shatner will be involved in sort of a cameo perhaps. I kind of think he will. Uh, I think the fans would like it, and I see no reason uh, not to have him in it, especially since he's been expressing interest in doing the uh, doing that kind of a thing, almost kind of like what he did in uh, the movie Star Trek Generations, where he had a little bit of in the beginning of the movie and a little bit towards the end. So, so we're going to stay tuned to uh, all this for future uh, news and information developments. I'll pass them on, of course, to everyone listening. I do uh, a couple little little business kind of podcasting uh, announcement tidbit of there. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I, I announced an upcoming Skype cast on last weekend show. I kind of gave a, a weekend date of around probably the the last weekend of the month, around the twenty eighth or so. That's possibly going to change. Uh, I've got uh, I got to go out of town for work in the next few weeks, and it's it's changing my schedule around for the upcoming few weeks of podcasts. I don't. Right now, I don't anticipate missing any weeks, but I'll keep everyone informed. But for the full update and schedule on what's going to be upcoming on the next, uh, you know, on the Skype cast and all that, just uh, listen in this weekend to the regular Sunday show, and I'll have all that information on that uh, during that podcast. Uh, it's uh, it's looking like, well, I definitely, this weekend, I'm going to be doing uh, covering the TNG episode Unification, both parts one and two. Uh, I'm going to do commentary on that, which has been kind of a requested uh set of episodes, and I thought I would tackle it finally. That's the one, of course, where Leonard Nimoy guest stars as Spock and tries to sort of unify the Vulcan and Romulan people together, sort of uh, an underground kind of effort on his part. Really good uh, pair of episodes there. So I'm going to be looking at that this coming weekend. Uh, but before that, and before we get to our uh, animated uh, Trek series uh, review and commentary, which I'm going to go through the whole episode, play it in the background and comment as I go, I've got a book review. Uh, there's um, a person out there. His name is, I think it's John. Yeah, John, excuse me. John McDuffie. And he's got a, uh, a website called Read More Sci-Fi. And uh, he sent me an email. And I think he joined up on the forums. His, I think his handle on the forums is called The Duffster, which is what he kind of goes by his, uh, his handle, at least. And he sent in a review of the Star Trek novel, the first actual fiction novel I think ever published in the Star Trek universe called Spock Must Die, written by James Blish. And I'm not going to say much more. I'm going to let him take it away. It's a couple minute or so review. Listen to this. And then after that, I'll be back with the look at the animated episode. Hey, everyone. This is Duffster, and you're listening to the Trek Book Review, brought to you by ReadMoreSciFi.com. Today we're going to look at the original Star Trek novel, Spock Must Die, by James Blish. When I mean original, I mean original. This was the very first original fiction produced under the Star Trek line. Um, it was published in February of 1970. That's what my copy was actually for 1971. It's a better book than what I remember. Uh, I did read this when I was very young. Uh, it has some really good interplay between uh, McCoy and Kirk, uh, especially it really points out McCoy's uh, hate of the transporter and a little moral dilemma he has with it. Um, the book basically is about uh, the fact that the Klingons have declared war against the Federation and attacked them unprovoked. Uh, everyone's wondering where the Organians are, since this is just after the peace treaty was signed. It seems like the whole Arginian planet can't be found. They come up with a way to uh, transport someone from where they are, which is 
far behind in Klingon territory to the Organian planet. Well, Spock is elected to go, and what happens after the transportation is there's now two Spocks. Now, this may have some similarities with The Enemy Within, uh, the Star Trek episode, but it's not the same at all. It's There's not really an evil Spock and good Spock. There, it, there kind of is, but I'm not going to give too much away. But suffice it to say, it, it's definitely a standalone um, novel on its own. It doesn't it's not a remake of The Enemy Within at all. Um, I'm not going to go much more into it, just to say that um, I want to give this uh, book uh, oh, three Live Long and Prospers out of five. Uh, more for the fact that it's nostalgic, it was the very first one, and it's worth reading or rereading just for that fact alone. Now I'm going to be going more in-depth and have a longer podcast just on this novel on readmoresci-fi.com and we'll be discussing it in the forums. So if you'd like to come on over, you'd be more than welcome. Just want to say thanks for your great podcast, Rico, and I'll leave you with this. Read more science fiction. Ta-ta. Well, that's great, John. Thanks a lot. I really enjoy uh, hearing your review about Spock Must Die. I can remember really well, uh, very distinctly reading that uh, novel uh, in the early days of Star Trek publishing, first one around. So I really, uh, really appreciate you doing that review. And everyone check out John's site over at readmoresci-fi.com. Okay, now I think it's time to get into the uh, Star Trek episode I'm going to look at this week. More Tribbles, More Troubles, written by David Gerald. Here we go. This episode first came out on October the 6th, 1973, 34 years ago. Of course, uh, David Gerald wrote the original The Trouble with Tribbles from the uh, original run of the series, so this is kind of a follow-up. The Enterprise has been assigned to escort two robot grain ships to Sherman's planet, which has been struck by crop failures and famine. This shipment of seed grain, Quinto Triticale, is necessary to the survival of the colonists. So we it's instead of Quadro Triticale, it's Quinto Triticale. A little different. Some kind of smaller ship. Observation may confirm a rumor that the Klingons have a new weapon, type so far unknown. The Klingons always have a new Captain, weapon, don't they? It is a Klingon ship, rapidly closing on its target. Sensors indicate the smaller vessel is a one-man scout ship of common design. They're firing on him. Ah, the great 1970s cartoon uh, music, dramatic music. Ahead, warp factor six. Scotty, lock the transporter on that small vessel. We're going to rescue that pilot. Aye, aye, Captain. So the Klingons are firing on this small vessel and the Enterprise is intervening, of course. You know, again, like I've said before when I've looked at these episodes, it was great that these uh, animated series episodes were done with all the original cast voices. Uh, really, really some uh, good stories and, and well done. Klingon Cruiser, identify yourself. You are violating Federation space. Identify yourself. Stop firing on scout ship. Arm all phasers. Deflector shields up. Phasers armed. Shields up. Ahead, warp factor eight. 
Klingon battlecruiser. And of Identify course, all yourself. of these are available now in a nice uh, DVD set since uh, I think it came out in November. They got him. Scotty, have you got that pilot yet? I don't know, sir. That Klingon tactical. That blast decalibrated the integration parameters. Of course it did. Captain. Decalibrated the integration parameters. Ah, the good old Star Trek techno babble at work. The new weapon. Spock. Some kind of field effect, Captain. It will hit us in precisely four seconds. It produces a most remarkable... Disruption. No, what? engines are dead. Captain, we have been hit by a kind of projected stasis field. Our matter-antimatter generators are disabled. We are paralyzed. Oh, that's, that's probably a bad thing. <sighs> the phases don't work, sir. The photon torpedoes will not respond either. The stasis field disables all higher-order field and warp functions. Pretty uh, big weapon here we for the Klingons to have. This new Klingon weapon must be one of surprising power if it can immobilize a starship. The energy drain on the Klingon ship would be enormous. Scotty, did you get that pilot? I got him in the beam, sir, but I can't integrate him. The One of the nice things, too, again, with Captain, using the original cast voices in these episodes was, you, you know, this was only about uh, oh, eh, about three years or so after the original series went off the air when they did these, Captain so... You know, three, four years later, they're all still the voices sound the same, and they're all in in the same kind of character mode. So, works pretty well. If I have to take him by force, I will. The first Klingon to step aboard this ship will be the last Klingon. Well, the Klingons, they really want this guy that they uh, rescued off this ship. no longer work, nor any of your weapons. Mr. Spock. I'm losing contact with our robot ships. They're not held by the stasis field, and they're moving out of range. What was that? Lieutenant, cut off that frequency. Yes, sir. That Captain Koloff there, uh, the Klingon the commander, ships. who was uh, also featured in the original series in the Tribble episode. He's also, uh, but he's not played by uh, William Campbell here. He's played by James Doohan. Scotty is doing the voice of Koloff in this episode. Open the hailing frequency again, Lieutenant. Captain Koloff, I'm going to give you one last chance to release the Enterprise. You're going to give me one chance? It won't work, Captain Kirk. It will work, or it'd still be gloating. Bring the robot ships in from two different angles, Mr. Sulu. So the uh, grain ships that they were uh, trying and towing, they're trying to use those sort of uh, against the Klingon ship, which is now trying to Incredible. use the weapon the against the grain ships as well. Must require. They couldn't maintain the stasis field. Keep your phasers locked on target, Mr. Sulu. Hold your fire until they fire first. Time for the nightly uh, drink of Gatorade. Let's see, what do we have tonight? Uh, fruit punch is the flavor. Apparently, their battle capacity is down. They only damaged it. 
those uh, grain ships are kind of interesting. I saw a um, set of uh, cargo blueprints from an old Star Trek blueprint set I had that's very much like them. They have a warp engine stuck on them, and kind of a square shape. Can you integrate that pilot now? I think so, Captain. We'll be right there. Call McCoy to the transporter room. Spock? I thought it was always funny how they always had to go down and meet whoever was beaming aboard uh, the main crew. Although in this case, I guess uh, they, they had a pretty big reason to uh, find out who this was. Think. We know that man. It appears to be. I don't want to think about it. Cyrano Jones. And he's got triples with him. Triples. And they're all pink triples for some reason. Captain's log supplemental. Our rescue effort has given us some knowledge of the new Klingon weapon and the presence of Cyrano Jones, intergalactic traitor and general nuisance. Captain Kirk, friend Kirk. Seal off the area, Ensign. Now this uh, Cyrano Jones here is played. The voice is still you the same the guy. Uh, Stanley Adams is playing Cyrano here from the, the same one that was in the Trouble with Tribbles. There's no such thing as a safe Tribble. A safe Tribble would be a contradiction in terms. Tribbles are well known for their proclivities in multiplication. And they breed fast, too. And that's why these Tribbles are safe. They don't reproduce. Don't reproduce? I've had them genetically engineered for compatibility with humanoid ecologies. See how friendly and lovable they are. <laughs> and not a baby in the bunch. They're great pets. And profitable, too. Jones, how did you get away from Space Station K-7? You were supposed to clean up all the Tribbles there. Oh, well, I managed a short parole. I found some help. <laughs> this is a yeah, Remember, at the end of the Trouble with Tribbles, uh, Kirk assigned uh, Cyrano to clean up uh, Space Station K-7 of all the Tribbles that were stuck there, which uh, they said would take him many, many years. At least it's neat. Why were the Klingons chasing you, Jones? How should I know? Oh, Cyrano Klingons just showed the other creature he brought aboard, which is a triple predator but they that can uh, basically uh, and eat and consume a whole triple. Without reason. They did mention ecological sabotage. Me? A saboteur? Ridiculous. Captain Koloth was pretty emphatic. It was such a little thing. I can't understand at all why they got upset. What did you do? <laughs> I only sold them some tribbles. You sold Tribbles on a Klingon planet? Well, I didn't know it was a Klingon planet. And keep in mind, uh, you know, the, uh, the Klingons don't uh, like Tribbles at all, and Tribbles don't like the Klingons. They really, really don't get along. It was lucky you came along and saved me when you did, friend Kirk. I couldn't have outrun them much longer. According to our computer files, Jones, you're in violation of three Federation mandates and 47 local ones. Yeah. You're confined until we complete our mission. Then we'll turn you over to the proper authorities. Uh, Captain, couldn't we talk this over? I didn't think so. Ah, Cyrano Jones. I always liked him. And Tribbles are uh, always great in a Star Trek episode. Uh, did a uh, takeoff on that on the uh, Deep Space Nine show as well. Jim, Cyrano Jones is right. These Tribbles don't reproduce. They just get fat. But they're all pink for some reason. I don't think we have anything to worry about. I don't know why. Not about Tribbles, anyway. 
I am concerned about that new Klingon weapon. It is an energy-sapping field of great strength, Captain. It immobilizes a starship and its weapons capability. But apparently, it also immobilizes the attacking ship's abilities at the same time. Aye. And if that's true, then it's a weapon that leaves them as helpless as it does us. I believe I just said that, Mr. Scott. The practical advantages nah, just, of such uh, a weapon would seem to be Mr. limited, Spock perhaps. Pointing but there out are the obvious. Applications. The key question is, how long does it take them to recharge? They will probably attack us again as soon as they are back up to power. And they will probably begin by destroying the other robot ship. Yeah, I can remember uh, watching the these when they first aired, uh, they which Cyrano would really Jones age and date me. Very <laughs> he really doesn't seem the saboteur type, Jim. Yes. A status report on the damaged green ship, Scotty. Well, sir, we've managed to transfer all the green aboard, but it severely limits us. We fill the shuttlecraft hangars, all our extra holes, and we've even got containers of that wheat, that quintotritic alley, in the corridors of the ship. And then we've got that other robot ship to escort, too. I don't like it at all, sir. Nor do I, Mr. Scott, but we've got to do it. Sherman's planet needs that grain desperately. Aye, sir. I don't know if I had said this on the previous Tribble uh, podcast I did, but that Sherman name, that Sherman's planet name, David Gerald, uh, the story I think I read was that he was dating a girl at the time when he wrote the episode, the original uh, Trouble with Tribbles episode, and he was dating a girl and her last name was Sherman, so he tossed and used her name for the name of the planet, which was I thought was kind of a neat thing, and it's a different kind of name, you know, it's not a Seti Alpha or Alpha Centauri Captain, or Tau Ceti, uh, not a not a real space kind of name up, that you normally would hear on Star Trek. How fat do these things get? Klingon ship approaching rapidly, within phaser range in 30 seconds. Obviously, they can recharge their power in a matter of hours. Use the robot ship as a decoy. Have it change course and move off. We'll use it again to give the Klingons trouble. They can't control more than one ship at a time with their stasis field. Beginning evasive maneuvers. Yeah, every time I watch one of these, it brings back a lot of very fond memories. The original crew, the voices, you know, the original look at the ships, the bridge... I don't know. There's something about that that's always been uh, so uh, so appealing to me. The grain ship, but they didn't destroy it. They only wrecked the propulsion units. They left the cargo intact. Captain Koloff is quite a marksman. They've changed course. They're coming in again. Ready, phasers. Phasers armed and ready, sir. Thing that's kind of neat in that scene there uh if you have this episode you know they they actually show uh sort of a a hazy field around the enterprise when it's in battles in the series here of uh showing the shields basically and how they protect the ship against uh enemy fire which is kind of neat photon torpedoes fire one <laughs> They're running away. Very odd. They did not use their stasis weapon at all. Perhaps they haven't had enough time to recharge it. Or the purpose of the attack was something else. They disabled the robot ship. Scotty, put a tractor beam on it. We'll take it in tow. Captain, 
That could be exactly what they want us to do. Well, of course it is. Come on. And limit our available power. We're carrying the extra mass of the first ship's cargo. And now we have the second one in tow. That requires a great deal of power we won't be able to use in battle. That seems logical. Thank you. Well, Mr. Spock, do you have any ideas? We could always throw tribbles at them. I thought Vulcans didn't have a sense of humor. We don't, Captain. But it's uh, kind of a good idea, actually, to, to uh, possibly do something like that. Captain, we've got broken cargo containers in all the corridors, and the tribbles are eating the grain. Get Cyrano Jones up here. Aye, sir. Any sign of Captain Koloth's ship? Nothing, sir. Keep scanning. Captain Kirk, what can I do for you? Some, uh, spick and flame gems, uh, <laughs> perhaps? Ah, Your good old spick and flame gems. He offered those ship. to the uh, bartender in trouble with triples as well. You need better security men, Captain. Mr. Jones, you are in enough trouble already. Captain, a harmless little tribble. What can they hurt? Harmless, maybe. Little... There's this huge triple sitting case, in uh, Kirk's chair at that point in the, the episode. What? The wheat! They're hungry, Captain. So are the people on Sherman's planet. A little triple doesn't eat much. A big triple does. And these are growing. Jones, is this the ecological sabotage the Klingons are so mad about? Captain, the Klingons are coming back. Speak of the devil. Jim, there's something about these tribbles. Later, Bones. Mr. Sulu, release the robot ship. Yeah, the, the one thing I always wondered when the Enterprise kept running into the Klingons in the animated and original we'll swing series, back and pick it up later. You know, they set up that Organian peace treaty, but it never really seemed to make that much of a difference. The they still got into conflicts and problems over the years anyway. Into the uh, last act of the show now. It's uh, the Klingons are approaching. The Klingon ship under command of Captain Koloth is forcing us into a battle for custody of Cyrano Jones for reasons still unknown. Contact in 30 seconds. Ready, photon torpedoes. Fire one. One fire. Klingons fired their special little weapon again, captured the Enterprise, and avoided the uh, torpedo. Message coming in, sir. Ah, Captain Kirk. We'll ah, take Captain control Kirk. of your ship now. Not if I can help it. I want your prisoner. Much as I hate to admit it, Captain Koloth, Cyrano Jones is a citizen of the Federation and entitled to Federation protection. I must, much as it pains me, refuse your request. It is not a request. Don't force me to take steps that we will both regret. Close channel, Lieutenant. With pleasure, sir. Aren't you going to sit down, sir? I think I'll stand. This, this triple keeps getting so much bigger now. It's as big as Kirk yes, is. sir. We're going to implement emergency defense plan B. Plan B, sir? Mr. Spock suggested it. Yeah, remember what uh, Mr. Spock said about uh, throwing triples at the Klingons. 
Emergency plan B complete, sir. Open hailing frequencies, Lieutenant. Captain Koloff, are you ready to release my ship? Release your ship? Kirk, you are monotonous. You don't know yet, do you? Know what? That we have immobilized your ship worse than you have immobilized ours. I doubt that. Our instruments report nothing except some undue transporter activity and... Kirk? Tribbles? Tribbles. Kirk, Cyrano Jones took a Klingon genetic construct, an artificial creature, from one of our planets. We must have it back. It was designed to be a Tribble Predator. We are prepared to go to war if we have to. You must have others. This was the first one, Kirk. We need it in order to grow others from it. We needed to get rid of the Tribbles Jones sold before they completely overrun the planet. And that's all you want? Jones is not that important. We must have the glamour. Oh, well. Ah, the glamour. Mr. Scott, transport the glamour over to the Klingon ship. Aye, sir. You can't do this to me. Under space salvage laws, he's mine. A planetary surface is not covered by space salvage laws. But if you want the little beastie that bad, Mr. Jones, we'll transport you over with it. Uh, I don't think he wants it that bad, so... It's kind of a weird little creature. It's like a... It almost reminds me of the Martian ships in War of the Worlds. It's got four long legs uh, and kind of a wide body. Over the uh, tribbles and, and consumes them that way. Although well, at least we the ones that are getting huge are very hard to uh, to have it uh, consume the power those. Rate is too high, and takes too long for the Klingon ship to recover to make it practical. Agreed, Captain. Tribbles appear to be a much more effective weapon. Jones, genetic engineering was very slipshod, Jim. He may have kept the tribbles from reproducing, but he didn't slow down their metabolism. You see, they're not just giant tribbles; they're colonies. Yeah, so they, Captain, uh, the engine room is filled the huge tribbles are really well, just a bunch of little tribbles all together. About that. Now they're going to try this glomer on, uh, on a tribble that's like eight feet tall. He did it to us again! That tin-plated, overbearing excuse for a starship captain did it to us again! And the glomer just runs away. Blast that thing! <laughs> they shot the big tribble and it just basically split apart into a lot of baby tribbles. Any other orders, sir? Yes. Don't do that again. Ever. A simple shot of neoethylene will fix everything. The tribble colonies will break down into their individual units with a slower metabolic rate. And these really will be safe tribbles now. Uh, what about the Klingons? Well, unless they treat their tribbles too, that ship isn't going to be big enough for all of them. Say, you didn't get this one, Bones. Oh, yes, I did. But it hasn't... There's a huge trouble in the uh, Jeffrey's tube, and now the same like that happened at the end of Trouble with Tribbles. But you've got to admit, if we've got to have Tribbles, it's best if all our Tribbles are little ones. Oh, bad joke. So there's the animated episode. More... Tribbles, More Troubles, written by David Gerald. A fun little tale, uh, kind of a nice little follow-up to the original series episode, The Trouble with Tribbles. I thought it'd be kind of fun to look at this one. 
I'll uh, do some other animated uh, series commentaries in the future. Uh, a little bit more serious episodes that they did. Uh, they did some nice sci-fi type element episodes in the animated show. Things they uh, wouldn't be able to do with the budgetary uh, constraints, especially of a uh, Star Trek series in the 60s. So they were able to do uh, some neat things. They introduced some new uh, aliens in a couple of episodes. Uh, and an interesting creature called Bem, which I'm probably going to look at that episode sometime, who was able to split his body in- into different little parts uh, and uh, enabled him to, you know, slip out of areas. He could, he could dis- uh, I think he could take his, I think his torso and his head and his legs all could separate, if I remember right. So that's Bem. I think that episode was also written by David Gerald. I'll have to look it up again, but I'm pretty sure that was the case. And that's about it for this special Wednesday edition. I hope everyone enjoyed it. Uh, it's always nice to do one of these kind of breaks up the week for me uh, and get some uh, good Star Trek information and fun out there on the Internet. Uh, hope everyone's doing well this week. I will, of course, like I said earlier, be back this weekend with a regular show, uh, Unification Parts 1 and 2, the the very good uh, TNG effort uh, featuring Leonard Nimoy as Mr. Spock, uh, sort of Ambassador Spock in this case. I think that's a really good set of episodes to look at, so I'm looking forward to that. And uh, have some more announcements about upcoming shows this weekend as well. Until then, everyone, have a great rest of your week, and I will talk to you soon. This is Rico signing off for now. Bye-bye. Protectors, Merry Christmas from Chiron Beta Prime.